Pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are a video game radio show and my name is Steve Curran. Hello, I am Simon Byron. And we're recording at a slightly different time this week, aren't we Simon? We are, we're recording on Monday morning, the day of the, uh, the, day of the broadcast, the day after football failed to come home. Yeah, so that is the, um, the elephant in the room, isn't it? We should deal with that first and get that out of the way. Um, what happened? And I mean, what happened personally to you, Simon? Well, we had some friends over. We were very excited. We cooked some pizzas in the garden uh, and settled down for the game. And yeah, you know, the what happened, happened. Um, can't fault the tournament as a whole. I loved how happy it made the country. It made me smile. My daughter, who's three, knows some of the words to Vindaloo. And now, when I ask her what songs she wants to listen to on Spotify, no longer is it exclusively Frozen 2, Steve. She also asks for Football's Coming Home, along with Vindaloo as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I uh, there were WhatsApp groups flying around. I've never had a group WhatsApp chat with all of my family before over a football game. So that was exciting as well. My mother likes a swear, um, <laughs> not uh, not explicitly. She's you know she did uh, censor them, but the words that she was hinting at, crikey! Oh my goodness! Yeah, so there we go. But yeah, you know, uh, fantastic effort. Someone is at the front door. Oh, somebody at my front door. <laughs> don't get that when we record at seven. We don't, PM, do we? Can we pause it for a second? We... Of course, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, back recording now it it occurs to me that when we used to record in the resonance studio and hopefully we'll be back in the resonance studio soon the show followed all kinds of different shows and i remember once famously we followed the sound of a shed in north london <laughs> mic'd up uh with the sound of a shed in south london uh, two different sheds and that's not so far off what we are doing literally right now is it literally your shed far up in north london and my small shed like home uh in south london so here we are everything comes full circle well i i hope that you that you are going to cut that uh distance out and also do i'm going to remind you i swore when i returned I, I so am, i am going to cut that part out yes because we don't want that to happen again do we no 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 we don't um so i i watched the football yesterday of course but not until uh, I had watched a full day of cricket at the Oval. So sat there watching some very, very uninteresting county match cricket. Uh, it was beautiful, lovely. Came home, uh, watched the football on my own, um, and was... I fell for it, didn't I? Like, Did the you? thing that kills you is the hope. 
and that's what hurt. So watched and then just felt that crushing inevitability sort of 60 minutes in and I thought, I know where this is going to end up. It's going to end up with someone missing a penalty and me immediately turning off the TV and... Yeah, which is... If only you'd thought of a different outcome, outcome, Steve. Although, you know, what would have happened if we'd won? What would we have to yearn for then? It is sad, but there's always next year, isn't there, Simon? Well, not usually, but obviously in these unusual times, uncertain times, (laughs) yes, there is. Next year, next Christmas, that's going to be strange, isn't it? It is going to be strange. Um, And presumably ends in... (laughs) <laughs> much the same way but until then it's coming home good news apart from that have you had a good week I can't, I can't remember I can't remember I think it's been fine I think I've finally shaken off the cold that's um, clung on for the last two weeks and I've played a little bit more of the same video game that I talked about uh, last week so I'm looking forward to talking about that finally in the review section uh yeah, I haven't looked much at the news. I found one story. What about you? I've got four. Four? Stop yep. it. Alright, let's get on with it then. Here is the news. Four stories, Simon. I guess that means you start. Okay, uh, this is from PC Gamer, which describes itself as the global authority on PC games. I have to say, I get annoyed whenever I go on PC Gamer, because usually I follow a link from Twitter, and then when I arrive at the site, I get a pop-up that says, Oh, it looks like you're from the UK. Why don't you click here to get content related for your region? And I'm like, well, you, t- you don't have a UK Twitter handle, do you? Mm. Um, just because you want to serve me UK adverts. Um, so I'm not going to click on it, actually. Um, uh, But anyway, the story written by Natalie Clayton six days ago uh, says uh, owner of ROM site nuked by Nintendo wants to bring it back. Last month, ROM Universe owner Matthew Storman found himself facing a 2.15 million fine dollars, that is, after Nintendo hit out with a copyright infringement lawsuit. Despite this, he plans to bring his website back online. And naturally, Nintendo is none too happy about it. Given that Stormman is unemployed, that fine took the form of $50 a month payment. Nintendo says Stormman proposed and agreed to. (laughs) Paying off the full amount would take three and a half thousand years or longer, considering Stormman missed his first payment. Meanwhile, in a post-ruling conversation, one of Nintendo's lawyers in the case noted that Stormman's thinking about bringing ROM Universe back online, but likely without all that troublesome Nintendo content. Mr. Stormman stated that he was still considering what to do with ROM Universe, and that if he were to bring back the website, it might have video game content and ROMs from companies other than Nintendo, but would not have Nintendo content. Until um, uh, The attorney, William Rava, noted in a court filing. I mean, that's bold, isn't it? That's bold. From <laughs> I mean, there is a lot to like about this story. Yeah, so you can imagine him at the end of the court judgment thinking, right, okay, first, do my finances, $50 a month. I think I'll be able to cover that. Maybe not the first month, but ongoing. <laughs> now, what am I going to do with my rest of my life? Big whiteboard out. Right, what, what do I know? I know ROMs. Well, there's a problem there. What's the problem? The problem's Nintendo. Everything else seems fine, though, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know, what else are you going to do with romuniverse.com? <laughs> that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I mean... I, can you, can you imagine the chutzpah of, uh, of, uh, of being fined 2.15 million and responding, hmm, do you think I can pay back $50 a month? <laughs> And Nintendo saying, yeah, I mean, wow. Would have been lights of, lights have been at that negotiation. Uh, just, what can you pay us? $50. I mean, that's not, that wouldn't even get you a Nintendo game a month these days, <laughs> would it? <sighs> yes. So we'll see with interest what Matthew Storman decides to do next. 
uh, and obviously keep you posted. But um, I mean, again, publicising the fact that he's considering doing it <laughs> again doesn't feel like the right move, does it? Well, he's just testing the water, isn't he? Okay, just seeing what the sort of uh, sort of reception would be amongst the Rom Universe fan base. Uh, would you, would you lads, uh, come to the site if there were no Nintendo? If there was no Nintendo content. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting, interesting. Do you mm. want to do the second story as well, and then I'll Why not? with the third? Okay. This is from Polygon, uh, which doesn't uh, doesn't have a, a, a tagline for itself, so we just go straight in. Uh, sealed cartridge. Uh, so this was written by uh, Ana Diaz, uh, who is at Pokerchi on Twitter, if you're interested, um, on the 9th of July. A sealed cartridge of The Legend of Zelda sold on Friday for $870,000, making it the highest-priced video game ever sold at auction. The sale broke the previous record held by the sale of a sealed copy of Super Mario Bros. that went for $660,000 in April. Both games were sold by Heritage Auctions, and the price on each includes a 20% buyer's fee. What accounted for the exorbitant price hike? Well, this one's factory sealed and rated 9.0A, sealed by Water, with 10 being the highest possible rating. But beyond its condition, much of its value comes down to this. It's the only copy from one of the earliest production runs that the, the, the auction site has had the opportunity to offer. And as the listing says, possibly will have to offer for many years. I'll tell you what, the, what accounts for the value, Simon. Go on. It's the romuniverse.net shut. That's <laughs> the only place to get it. <laughs> Prices have shot through the roof. Very wow. good. A lot of money. 870. Who paid that and why? Are you actually asking me? Yeah, I am. Yeah, sorry. I, I, to, to be clear, I don't know the answer. I'd like, <laughs> you, to, I'd like you to speculate. Okay, so uh, I guess there are two answers. One, a very, very rich obsessive who has a gap in their... Um, their collection, or two, well, it's that same word that you just said, it's a speculator, isn't it? Someone who's investing in this sort of thing in much the same way as people invest in um, any rare item that they believe the value can only go up because of the scarcity of this. Now, they're not going to unwrap it, are they? They're not going to stick it into their creaky old nez, have a have a go on um, Zelda, and to you know, in my, I don't know, my pragmatic mind, that makes it basically worthless unless you're buying it as an investment thing. Because what else are you going to do with it? What else are you going to do with it? Yeah, very, very strange. Um, I included this new story, really. I've been, I've been tidying out the shed, uh, you know, as I prepare for for a job I don't have yet. But I want, you know, <laughs> I want, at, least, well, I want at least the shed to be tidy. And um, I'm going to be quite ruthless and just sort of throwing out leads and bits and bobs and, you know, am, am I really going to need that in the future? Anyway, I came across this, Steve. A s- sealed copy. It is a of sealed the Zelda. Of, it is. It's a sealed Zelda on the Wii U. Arguably <laughs> the best one, I'd say. Probably. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD. So not your usual Twilight Princess. Still sealed. Uh, Wii U version. How much do you think we can get for that? Should well, we stick it online? Of course, a sealed version isn't enough, Simon. You would have to have it rated by a <laughs> some kind of video game authority. So just hold it closer to the camera. You just turn it around. I would say that's a 9 or maybe even a 10. I mean, it's, it's actually fully shield. It's it's sealed. It's fully sealed. I, you know, that's waterproof. Yeah, you can put there's it. There's no the point in me. There's exactly, there's no point in me doing that. <laughs> yeah, so sealed, rated, uh, rated a nine or a ten in by Stee, by Stee, uh, by S T E on uh, <laughs> video game authority. One life left. But that's uh, the thing. Can we start hyping it up? I think and so. then I won't need a job. I mean, there can't be many of those. There can't be any. <laughs> Probably are. I think everyone's thrown them away. Well, we've certainly never rated one before, so it's the only no. one with that that rating. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, is that going? Is that going on eBay? I mean, I've got little else to do at the moment, Steve. Shall I put it? <laughs> shall I actually put it on eBay and see what happens? Put it on eBay with a description uh, <laughs> linking the eight hundred thousand uh, pounds, eight hundred thousand uh, dollar Zelda version and uh, NES version of Zelda, and see where it gets you, Simon. Okay, I'm excited. Me too. All right, I've got a news story for you. 
Um, this is from GamaSutra.com, uh, which is soon to be rebranded. Have we found out what that is yet? We do not know. Maybe I should ask Chris to come on the show and talk about it when they rebrand. In fact, I'm going to do that. I'll do that after the show today. Uh, this is written by uh, the other Chris, Chris Kerr. And the headline is Roblox partners with Sony Music to fill the metaverse with musicians. The agreement will see Roblox and Sony Music work together to develop innovative music experiences for the Roblox community with a view to helping Sony Music artists reach new audiences and tap into additional revenue streams. For context, it says here, over 36 million people watched Lil Nas X when they performed the first ever live virtual concert in Roblox in November 2020. And now Sony and Roblox are looking to arrange more of these showpiece events. Now, I picked this out for two reasons. Um, one, Sony continuing to work with other partners. Uh, this shows, you know, Sony reaching out onto other platforms. Of course, it is Sony Music rather than Sony Interactive Entertainment, which those two have always had a little bit of a, I would say, dysfunctional relationship. Uh, Sony inter- uh, Sony Music often flirting with other people behind Sony Interactive Entertainment's back. And uh, secondly, it's the old metaverse again, isn't it? Always seems to rock up in the news stories, uh, attracting a lot of investment now. And Roblox seems to be the uh, current, well, surest bet for that Ready Player One universe that we are all craving. Isn't that right, Simon? Yeah, I can't wait. Cannot <laughs> wait. Uh, yeah, I mean... This to me feels like the frenzy, the Bitcoin frenzy of five minutes ago, uh, where, you know, people who have got money to invest in the future create buzzwords and hoover up all the money. Yeah, completely. Um, There are a dozen different bets on the metaverse. And I work with startups, you know, very, very young startups quite a lot. And uh, as I saw Bitcoin in Dex, you know, a couple of years ago, and NFTs all over Pitch Dex at the end of last year and the start of this year, now everything has metaverse in. Uh, everyone is trying to attract their sort of series funding um, by using those those keywords. And you know what? It will work out for some of them because, like you say, that's where people are looking to place those bets at the moment. Does it mean anything? Is this going to turn into some kind of universe that we're all going to inhabit? I don't think so, at least not for, you know, 20 years. Am I glad about that? Well, judging, you know, (laughs) how I feel about Ready Player One, yeah, I'm quite glad about that. And also my feelings about, um, what's that horrifying VR? VR chat, another Mm. metaverse. Didn't enjoy my time in there. As (laughs) long-term listeners to One Life Left will remember didn't enjoy my time trying to find a wife in second life 15 years ago didn't work out and so i'm a bit of a metaverse skeptic i did you when you saw these uh, startups that were um promoting the fact that they were going to get involved in bitcoin and nfts and stuff did you advise that they continued that or did you well it's difficult isn't it i i mean i i I feel quite strongly that I personally don't want to get involved in NFTs until they've started, until they've sorted out the environmental impact problems. Like I'm not interested in in making money at the cost of something that I think is damaging the planet. So I didn't get involved in those discussions. I said that I wasn't able to advise them on those sorts of things. Um, in metaverse terms, I'm happy to to shape their, you know, their pitches around something that I think investors will thirst for currently. Uh, I can help them make those things interactive and make them th- those things compelling. Do I believe in that right now? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know, much like VR, when it, it you know, when Valve were ploughing so much money into VR six or seven years ago, they weren't betting on VR being a profitable position right then. They were betting on it becoming a profitable position and them owning a huge slice of a market that they believe in, you know, still in the future from now is going to be massive. 
And I think that's a pretty solid bet. And so, yeah, for a small amount of money right now, uh, a small amount of seed funding and, and dev time, you can perhaps come up with something that is the next Roblox or gets bought by Roblox. I, d- I don't think Roblox is going to be the metaverse. I think it's probably going to be something that we don't know about now. Uh, but I do think a lot of startups are going to form companies based off that proposal and maybe one of them is going to win. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I, you know, I there was um, a developer reasonably recently who said to me, uh, "Oh, you know, they, they already had a, a quite a compelling pitch, and um, then it, you know, we were we were looking at it for a, a couple of weeks or so. And then a, a follow up email going, oh, and by the way, uh, we think that we can do X with NFTs, mm. and I just went, hey, that makes no difference to me.'" All the commercial success of the game, it just felt like, you know, chucking that out there just to make it on paper feel more attractive to the money men. I don't know. Mm. I've, I've, I, I don't know if I've told this show on. Uh, sorry, I don't know if I've told this story on One Life Left before, but I, I once lost a pitch by doing exactly that. So I'm very, very wary when I'm doing the other side of things. When I'm pitching to publishers, um, I was pitching to a platform holder. A, a game that they absolutely loved and it went through seven or eight rounds of, of pitching and every time in order to please someone else in this company I added something to the pitch because they came back with feedback saying oh we need you know some mobile compatibility or we need UGC in there added and by the time we finished the final round of pitching and that seemed to go well. We got a note two weeks later saying they were going to pass because it felt like we didn't know what the heart of the game was. And that was really, really painful. But that's been, you know, it was a sort of lesson to me, which is I think buzzwords can be useful, but they're not useful if you've got a really, really good core. <laughs> anyway, they just kind of distract from it. So it's better to it's better to concentrate on something that's unique to you than try and um, tag onto the latest money train. I think, Steve, that that story is is Twitter gold. It's Twitter <laughs> gold. You could, you know, it's a platform X, platform X that may or may not, that doesn't have Game Pass. I'm not yeah. saying that's who it was, but you know, that's how that's how you frame it. Yeah. We could get loads of publicity for our Twilight Princess HD sealed. Yeah, just start uh, it. Start it with, uh, you know, I've got a story for you. Thread. And then the the little yeah. thread emoji and yeah, all right. Well, we'll talk to our social media people, see whether that uh, that can generate more of your eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. All right, next news story. BT Gamer still the global authority on BT Games uh, wrote. Uh, Stephen Messner wrote five days ago, late night gaming sessions for Chinese children are going to be much harder now that Tencent, China's largest tech company, is using facial recognition to stop kids from gaming after bedtime. Announced in a press release yesterday, Tencent said its new technology would require players to confirm their identity via facial recognition algorithm in order to keep playing mobile games past 10pm. It's just the latest step Chinese companies are taking to conform and stay ahead of China's tightening regulations concerning when and how underage people play games. So far, the feature has been activated in 60 of Tencent's mobile games, including Honor of Kings and Game for Peace, but the feature will roll out to more of Tencent's mobile games over time. The way it works is simple. If children under the age of 18 try to play a game after 10pm or before 8am, they'll have to pass a check that uses a phone's camera to verify their identity and age. This extra measure is in place to stop children who work easily circumventing previous age-gating methods to enforce China's strict laws on gaming activity. How do we feel about this, Steve? <laughs> okay, uh, I feel it's quite dystopian, and I'm mm. interested to see how uh, kids get around it, because kids are incredibly resourceful, as I'm sure you know more than me. The other thing that I'm interested in, which I, I, I guess that's a nice segue into, is, you know, I have a, a young daughter who's not quite old enough to play video games, but as we've learnt on past One Life Lefts, you've been thrashing your daughter at Mario Kart for yep. a few months now. Um, Easy. How are you, and, and you've been through this with, uh, with Dexter as well, how are you intending to gate your child's gaming life? Well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I do think that as, uh, uh, as a child of a parent who is in the games industry, obviously I am... Uh, 
I can see behind the scare stories, but equally so, I'm still tainted by the measures that my parents would take with me when I was younger and things like phrases like, oh, you know, you'll get square eyes because <laughs> we used to have square TVs back then, um, you know, still uh, still resonate with me in that, you know, technology in theory, uh, you know, parentally has always been seen as something to limit. Um, and yet, you know, I... <laughs> Uh, I've bought a Kindle tablet for my daughter's use. She's three. Uh, we subscribe to the uh, Amazon Kids uh, service. I think it's £2 a month, and that gives them uh, access to a load of content that, you know, it was a reasonably recent purchase, this tablet, 32 gigabytes. She's already getting storage warnings on on it uh, because she's just downloading so much stuff from the service that said and so yes i think about well you know should she be playing on it you know absolutely we will use it as a babysitter when we want you know if we've taken her out we've taken her on a drive or what have you now she seems to enjoy it uh she leans on it you know rather too much which could daddy can i play on my tablet well first of all darling it's not yours explicitly uh you didn't pay for it but um and uh, not only often, that, the games are rented from the cloud. Let me take you about the cloud. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but that said, you know, as a three-year-old, she, you know, she is. The games that she's playing are creative. They're dress-up, colouring in, uh, spot the difference, puzzles, you know, and versions of things that she could do physically, but would create an awful lot of mess um, if if she was to do that. And so, you know, I do see, you know, I think games now, games for kids now are much, much better than the games that kids used to play when I was younger. I think that they are, you know, teaching her all sorts of skills. And she does seem to be pretty well developed in, you know, language, uh, puzzle solving, etc. She knows what a download button knows, like, looks like. She knows what pause and play. And she knows how to tick and cross uh, through um, certain warning screens. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like my concern about it is very much a product of how I was treated by my parents in the past, where it was seen as something to limit and fear as opposed to actually could be a force for good. So, in short, <laughs> she plays on her tablet. I'm not sure how to feel about it. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I, uh, shortly going to enter that same... Well, we have the tablet and we haven't decided exactly on how to... Uh, how to gate or limit that yet a couple of times I've had it out with her and she's enjoyed colouring in and touching parts of the screen and stuff but she can't quite get her head around that yet and yeah I don't I don't know what I'm going to do I think my worry from it more is is um, is less of the skills that she's learning but more of my trust in the Amazon curation of the stuff that she's allowed um because i i'm not sure that that i want to outsource that part of of guidance to somebody who is just doing their board job checking whether something is is suitable i'm not sure i trust the algorithm either uh, and I want her away from Peppa Pig as long as possible. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I don't know. And uh, clearly, that question gets bigger the the sort of older they get. So uh, I guess, like all parents, it's something you stumble through, and generally, it works out as we know it has done for Dexter, who is now a kingpin in Roblox. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And 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 certainly, as they get older, you know, your guidance comes from not necessarily, you know the age ratings that are given to games under certain situations, but um, what are the other kids doing? What are the other mm. parents letting their kids do? So Dexter's like, oh, can I play this? I'm like, oh, I don't know, it feels a bit wrong. Who else is playing it? Oh, everyone. Okay, then that's fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And if they're not playing it, they're watching a YouTube playthrough of it anyway. So that is the issue. All right, we've got one uh, final news story, don't we? Yes, uh, from uh, Video Games Chronicle, Chris Scullion wrote on the 6th of July, uh, Ubisoft has removed Might & Magic X Legacy from Steam following complaints from players that it no longer works. 
In April, the company revealed that eight PC games would have their online services shut down on June the 1st, including the likes of Assassin's Creed 2, Far Cry 2, Prince of Persia, Forgotten Sands and Might and Magic Legacy. Ubisoft explained at the time that the multiplayer online services for the title will be shut down, but the solo features will remain available. But when the shutdown started on June the 1st, players started pointing out that this wasn't the case for Might and Magic X. The problem lay with the game's DRM, which required an online collection. To authenticate the game as a legitimate copy by turning off the game's online services, Ubisoft also turned off this check. As a result, players cannot get past that one of the game in single-player mode, nor can they access the game's paid DLC, because both require a successful DRM check. Hmm. Uh, One review on Steam reads, Really classy move, making a single-player game unplayable by closing its servers. Never mind the fact that a single-player game dependent on servers is unacceptable instead of patching it to keep it playable and then removing it from sale while screwing its existing owners. There we go. Once more, an example of the fact that you don't own the stuff you've bought. Um, That game came out uh, seven years ago, January the 23rd, uh, 2014, um, and uh, is no longer available for purchase and nor can you play it. Wow. So have Ubi responded? Have there, is there any sign of what they intend to do to the people whose game they've cruelly ripped away? No. Uh, the only comment, it was certainly in the story, is that uh, Valve have said uh, the quest of the publisher, Might Magic X Legacy, is no longer available for sale on Steam. Yeah, I, you know, that's not on, is it? No. I mean, I think it's much more clear when you subscribe to a cloud gaming service like um, Game Pass or even like the uh, the one that your daughter is subscribing to using your credit card details on <laughs> her Amazon's Kindle, uh, that you don't own it, that you are renting this stuff for as long as you continue to pay uh, that price. Now, I am sure there are things in the Steam TNCs that say you don't own this software and it belongs to someone somewhere, maybe Gabe, I don't know, uh, and that you're... Uh, you're basically you own your account or whatever it is but that's not how anyone feels about it right like you are buying this game and you are owning this game forever except apparently you are not um i i I imagine as with everything ubi's response will come down to how much of a fuss people make about it and the problem that the might and magic x players have got is that i guess that community isn't huge now it being seven years old no uh, i was just about to look actually on uh, on the player numbers uh, let's uh have a look on steam db and see how many people were playing it uh up until reasonably Hang on a minute, it says that there are 10 players online right now. What's going on with those guys? Whoa, and that there were 36. There have been 36 players playing simultaneously at the same time. I don't know. Maybe there's more to this story than meets the ice, D. Interesting. Interesting. Um, good. I think that's probably the end of the news section, isn't it? I think we can, uh, we can close it down now, yeah. yes. Shut it down. All right, thanks, Simon. One life left, video game news with Anne Scantleberry. listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM and if you listen very very quietly 
you'll be able to hear the sounds of South London, specifically a bin lorry outside my flat. <laughs> Your bin day's Monday, is it? Apparently so, yeah. Is it? I think it... That feels strange to me. Well, I think it might be recycling day. Okay. Uh, in Lambeth, which is where I am recording this uh, show from, just up the road from Southwark, where Residence FM are based. Uh, Resonance, the best radio station in the world. Please, please keep listening to them after this show. Assuming you're listening live on Resonance, which you should do. Uh, if you aren't, if you're listening to it as a podcast, well, uh, please feel free to reflect on the show notes at www.onelifeleft.com. There you will be able to read about the song that is playing in the background. Uh, kindly written those show notes by our under-caretaker, Bill. If you are listening to it live uh, in the area, I hope you put your bins out. <laughs> I don't know if Southwark have the same bin days. They must do. Though. They, mu- they must do. Bins. How do we track this? Uh, go to their Labyrinthine Council websites, which are not always accurate in my experience. How How's your experience with your council bin collection? If you've got anything to say, why not have your say by emailing... <laughs> Team at onelifeleft.com. Let's get on with the letters. Email messages and forward BCC. One life letters. Alright, I know we've had one in the Discord mailbag this week. Have we had anything in the in the actual inbox? We have. Uh, Tim Miller writes. For some reason, my podcast app served me up Series 3, Episode 3 of One Life Left, Episode 51, in which you promised to change your theme tune every 50 episodes. (laughs) I can only assume it did this because it has an awful taste and wishes to change the current winning formula. Which radio or theme tune change caused you the most consternation and why the game series not have a consistent theme song? Tim. That's a good we- question, Tim, and I have no idea. Have we changed the theme tune? We changed it once. Once. Uh, we got... Um, so our, t- our our theme is written by uh, Ian Cook, member of uh, popular pop band Churches, who have a new album coming out. We should... They've, uh, they've, they've collaborated with Robert Smith from The Cure. They have, and with... Simon Byron from One Life Left. Degrees of separation there. Well, yeah, exactly. Me and Bob. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then he remixed it at some point, and then actually Doc from Churches said he was going to uh, remix this as well at some point, but I guess he's too busy collaborating with Bob um, <laughs> to, to get on with that. Uh, maybe I'll... You know, when they've finished this cycle of album promotion, touring, uh, and generally being pop stars, uh, maybe I'll get in touch and ask them to do a third version. Well, they owe us. How many episodes are there now? I mean, they need to do one every 50 episodes. <laughs> Contractually, we've got them pinned down. Uh, oh, sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch and, and ask if they fancy doing that. I found um, in, during the clear out. I found I found uh, our CDs, music music to play games by uh, volumes one and two. Did you? How many of those did you find? Uh, one of each. Right, I found about thirty of oh, those have you? in my cupboard. Uh, are they sealed? Week. They are sealed as well. Do you want to stick one of those on eBay as well? Uh, I will do. Yeah, I found uh, found a big big box of those. Um, That's three hundred quid's worth of CDs you've got yourself there, Steve. Do you think? Well, we sold them for a tenner each, didn't we? Hmm. Do you think that value has <laughs> has retained? Do you think, or do you think it has? Uh... I would be surprised well, if we could get a quid for each of these. I've had to buy cop- copies of our book, one of our books, actually, I should say, um, off uh, Amazon and eBay before when I've uh, when, when I've been when I've talked about it and people have gone, oh, it'd be interesting. Obviously, I don't have any. I don't have any spares. Um, and you know, because it's out of print now, uh, you can, if you're if you're if you're not careful, end up paying over the odds for it. Got to be careful. I think I've got, <laughs> I think I've got three copies of our book. Should we write another book? No, no, no. It took ages, no, didn't no. it? 
it took ages and fortunately the books that we wrote were you know a hundred years ago before anybody could post comment or criticism <laughs> extensively that's right uh, and you know i don't think my fragile ego could take could take the pressure of uh, of putting something else out there for sure we could we could get in touch with uh, darren friend of the show from rom yeah. We could offer him romuniverse.net. <laughs> and as, as part of that tie-in, we could write a book, an oral history of One Life Left. Oh, could you remember it? No. I mean, what? No. If only we had some kind of recording. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Is there something... We, there would have to be a way we could do that automatically. Couldn't we just upload it to a trans... Uh, transcribing service and then just don't even check the text well just send it to Darren we could (laughs) we we could do that I tell you what I found so as I said I was clearing out the um, clearing out this cupboard and I found 30 copies of music to play games by and I also found uh, about 15 hard discs which you can see some of you can see behind me can't you right looks like a hacker looks like a bitcoin mining facility there (laughs) steve so i've been going through them um now i'm i'm quite a electronically at least tidy person so i assumed i'd plug these things in and they'd be clean and be ready to put a hammer through which is advice i i got from weasel spoon a friend (laughs) of the show the other day said can you you know i don't want to just throw out a disc in case it's got my credit card numbers on he said just put a hammer through it mate just put a hammer through it <laughs> that's that's that is that's his advice for anything that was <laughs> it is it is classic weasel spoon yeah, so exactly. so um i was checking them and i found i found the photos from the time you and scanters and i and saber pulse chiptune magician yeah. saber pulse went to the big chill Right. I found those photos. I fell asleep half in and half out <laughs> of a tent, didn't I? <laughs> Here's what I found a photo of, my favourite photo. Completely forgotten about. So, um, you know, long-time listeners to the show may not be aware of this. I assume we told that, told this story on the show at the time. Uh, just look at the transcripts that we're going to send to Darren. And I... Um, we did a gig, didn't we? So we were there to do some kind of chip tune musician workshop with Saber Pulse, and we did the show from the Big Chill. And then that evening, because we'd been given a tent and it was a music festival, we decided we were going to do, we were going to throw a gig. And sure enough, it went off. Uh, <laughs> Saber Pulse with his Game Boy, and and we had some disco lighting there that we'd brought. Um, friend of the show, One Life Left and Marioki engineer James Scott set up this disco lighting smoke machine and Saber Pulse played a gig and we ended up with like 150 people there dancing around watching Saber Pulse play his gig. Little did they know, listener, he was not playing that music. He was just playing one of his CDs and dancing around with his Game Boy. (laughs) So, noticing this, I took my Game Boy and stood in the smoke behind him, also dancing around with my Game Boy. That is the closest I've been to being a church's style pop star, and we've got the photos to prove it. And I've got the videos now. I found them on this old hard drive. I found um, not hard drives. I found some analog stuff here. Uh, I mean, again, um, obviously I've been through a few moves or what have you, but I think Kate had put them in a folder for me, and um, I found uh, it's a bit too late. Um, uh, I'm holding this. So this rustling you can hear, uh, listeners, is, was me getting this paper out. Games Master TV schedule for when we filmed it. Wow. Um, the call sheets for Simon Byron. Originally, you'll see, show, show six. It's too late for the book, sadly. Um, I would have thought. Show six, challenge two, FIFA two on the Mega Drive. Part one originally was going to be Andy Cole and Graham Lasso, but it wasn't. It was a crossed out. Casey Keller turned up. <laughs> Uh, and then you've got my notes on the back because I didn't. I was a computer games journalist and I didn't know uh, anything. So basically, all the stuff that I start uh, reading out—that's interesting, isn't it? Look, and then um, the other thing that I found a strategy meeting from the one November <laughs> nineteen ninety-two that David Upchurch had written, um, where we slag off other bits and bobs, but uh, we come on to the to the design, 
David says, well, I'll get to that later. And then he says, Simon, our new staff writer, is settling in very well and is already an indispensable part of the one team. I've been more than impressed by enthusiasm, behaviour, attitude and work quality. I don't think we could have hoped for a better recruit. The boys should go far. Look at that! <laughs> Amazing. And then he goes on to then he goes on to slag off um, our designers, <laughs> and then says this about Amiga. As he talks about our competitors, Amiga Action is a rag, and I think a lot of the buying public are beginning to realise that. There's very little respect for it either in the industry or the marketplace. However, in its favour, the fact it's got two discs and it's three pound fifty. Twenty five p cheaper may not sound a lot, but I'm not so sure. Look at that, all this old stuff. All this old stuff is a good description of what life left as well. <laughs> but maybe we should. Maybe we should send it, just ship it up. I could just stick it all in an envelope and get it to Darren now. Yeah, all right. Let's 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 talk to Darren about that. We've gone from not doing a book to doing a book in the space of five <laughs> minutes when we discovered yeah. how little work it would be. <laughs> Fantastic. What? All right. Sorry. What letters do we have from the Discord? We have a letter from the Discord, which I will uh, pick out right now. Uh, one life left. The Mailbag Channel. Hello, team, writes the aforementioned Weasel Spoon. I was watching Games Done Quick last night and caught some Super Mario 64. Bubsia was doing a 70-star run. All right, all normal so far. We've all done 70 stars on um, Super Mario 64. Uh, he was doing it blindfolded. What? Sometimes doing unnecessary tricks just to show off. What's the most impressive gaming feat you've seen? Obviously, Evo Moment 37 might be the most famous Pip-Pip Roberts. Um, yeah, I, I watched a bit of uh, old Bubsia doing this. He had a blindfold on and he was playing Mario 64. How does that work then? I didn't understand. I guess I guess essentially you learn the inputs for each stage. What he was doing was he was fixing the camera in a certain direction so the camera wasn't swinging around as much as it tends to do in Mario 64. Uh, and he was just kind of timing things, going through stuff. And, and uh, I mean, maybe he gets some audio cues to learn that he's on the right track. Um, so once you've heard this, then yeah, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Therefore, I can, you know, hit my right cue. And then, you know, I assume this 70-star run means he's picking the 70 shortest stars to do. Uh, but, yeah, it was all... I don't know. It was all very impressive in that kind of you bet uh, style. You bet is a reference that only listeners for <laughs> One Life Left age will understand. In that you, you, you see someone do this and you're like, oh, how on earth? How on earth have you managed to do this? And then you realise the answer is just by spending loads of your life doing the same thing over and over and over again until you eventually get slightly good at it. It's um, it's so uh, left field that whilst it's it's an impressive skill to have, I'm not impressed by it. <laughs> Are you? Like, do, like... So when you see people do skillful things, you go, oh, you know, that's clever. I wish I could do that. I in no way want to be able to collect 70 stars in Mario 64 blindfolded. No, and I think the thing, <laughs> not to talk down Bubsia's obviously impressive achievement, but it is just pattern memory and uh, yeah. and execution, right? Like, it could be done by a robot. It's not um, reacting to a situation and responding to that moment. Because he can't do that because he's blindfolded. He can't see what's going on. It's just going, okay, so this one is AA, forward for 30 seconds, right, X, you know, jump, 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 collect the star, done. And you do that pattern, you do it perfectly, it's done. I guess to a point that's all speedrunning is executing right at the right moment. But yeah, it doesn't impress me much, Simon. What what, right. what impresses you in gaming? Oh, so it used to be the Guitar Hero players, um, you know, playing stuff on Expert. You know, I, I, I worked on uh, Guitar Heroes 1 to 5. And um, I was, you know, not even the best player in our office. That was Leo Tan. Um, but I 
you know, some of the expert levels were actually, you know, well, in certainly for a man of my mediocre talents, uh, definitely unachievable. And yeah, I'd see videos or see players actually when we go out uh, and take it on the road um, who were just absolutely incredible at it. But yeah, they'd learn, you know, and, and like all of these things, you know, I used to see you on the dancing stage games and, and, and actually, you know, there is a way to play these rhythm thing, these rhythm action games that's, that is, you know, choreography. And that mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, spinning round 360, then you can't hit those, the uh, notes similarly with Guitar Hero and that, you know, actually there's a, there's, there's a way of playing those notes similar to uh, real, real life, of course. But yeah, that was, uh, that would always blow my socks off. You know, when, whenever I used to play it publicly, I used to, I used to play it on bass, which was easier than lead or rhythm. Uh, and I think um, Supermassive Black Hole on Expert was actually very easy. So, <laughs> uh, The most impressive achievement I've ever seen in video games by some distance was on a dance machine and was watching uh, the kids at the Trocadero at yeah. the arcade in, in London. And they used to play it because they could absolutely cane it, like on you know the hardest difficulty. They could do that no problem. They actually used to turn the difficulty down to... Um, mid difficulty, and then do stunts on the machine while they were playing, and still hit everything. I remember watching two kids play, and uh, often in in DDR you would find ten or fifteen second breaks in songs just to get your breath back. And it hit one of these breaks, and the kid just legged it from the machine, <laughs> just suddenly like turned around one hundred and eighty and ran off through the audience. You know five or six person <laughs> deep audience and I was at the front of this audience like wondering where he got it was like he just nicked something just tearing through this arcade and he grabbed hold of the escalator now those of you who remember the Trocadero it's like this mountain of escalators span around the escalator went halfway up it l- jumped off the escalator back towards the machine back through the crowd, placed his hands on the back of the support thing, on the back of the arcade machine, vaulted it, and then landed straight on a double-feet arrow, exactly as the thing finished, and then just continued doing the routine like nothing had happened. And I was like, yeah, I can do it on that difficulty setting as well. What's the what's the trouble, mate? Like, do it on nine feet, and I couldn't have done it. Yeah, but could he have could he have done it blindfolded? Don't no, speak? absolutely exactly. not, absolutely not. All right, that's the uh, end of the the mailbag this week. If you've got letters to post, please find the address to our Discord in the show instructions on www.onelifeleft.com. Or if you don't want to join the Discord, fine, um, uh, just email us. Team at onelifeleft.com. All right, we are approaching the end of the radio show uh, now. About I think we've got about ten minutes left, or something like that. Time for the review section. But before that, Simon, it's what? time for the uh, time for the feature that we begun last week. Simon Barra's Fast Five. Now, okay, you'll remember you asked for um, an extra week to give me five games with dogs in. I did. I did do, didn't I? <laughs> you did. I, I mean, I was I was relying on the fact that we can't remember what we did during the week, and therefore hoping that you wouldn't remember what we did during the show. <laughs> All right, I, I understand. I, I, you know, that's fine. So we'll move on. Simon Byron's fast five this week: five games with fruit in. Fruit Ninja, yep. Candy Crush, yep. Pac Man. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> Donkey Kong. Is Donkey Kong does he have fruit? Does he eat bananas, does he? I don't think so. Maybe just the artwork. You know. There's loads more Pac-Man. Pac-Man? Pac-Land? <laughs> Pac-Land, there we go. Simon Byron's Fast right. Five. Five games with fruit in. See you next week. Have we got any other business? No, I think we're running rapidly out of time, I think, Steve. I think we are as well. Uh, All right, let's get on with the reviews. Simon, um, what have you been playing this week? Well, as mentioned on the show last week, uh, we were in isolation thanks to the Test and Trace app. Uh, And so I felt quite claustrophobic this week, so I spent a lot of time in VR. Um, 
started off on Sniper Elite VR. Uh, as we know, I love the Sniper Elite games. Um, I'm only, I've only played maybe half an hour of this, so I don't feel qualified to review it fully yet, uh, but I very much enjoyed what I have played to date. The reason why I've only played half an hour is because this week, uh, me and my wife have exclusively been playing Walkabout Mini Golf multiplayer in VR. Uh, she's been stood in the kitchen. I've been stood in the lounge. Uh, we've both mapped out our relevant uh, respective guardians. And we've played five or six 18-hole <laughs> games of uh, walkabout mini-golf together. Um, which has been tremendous. Honestly, it's, it's felt... Um, you know, the, the courses are fun. Kate and I... Um, when we first met, actually spent a lot of time playing real life mini golf. Uh, and so it was good to be doing that again. And yeah, walkabout mini golf is brilliant. Um, it feels so much like the real thing. Um, but, you know, bringing to it uh, the course design and variation that you could only get in VR. And so, yeah, really have been enjoying it an awful lot. Um, thoroughly recommend it. I've seen a lot of people rave about it online and uh, yeah, it, it took me a while to take the plunge, but it's super cheap. 10 99 uh, Thoroughly recommend it. 7 out of 10. So I've been playing RimWorld, uh, as I mentioned last week. I got into this because I was uh, feeling super, super sick with this cold that I caught and I wanted a game that I could sink into uh, and a game that I had been putting off sinking into uh, because it seemed slightly difficult to learn. Um, RimWorld is, I would describe it as Dwarf Fortress Light. In RimWorld you control a, um, a three colonists on a planet and you have to build a uh, outpost and then grow that outpost and defend it from uh, attackers and from the natural elements that try and destroy you most notably at least in the location that I'm in lightning which keeps setting fire to the forest around me um, slowly other colonists who either attack you or who just you find will join your um, join your outpost and so your colony grows uh, people fall in love uh, get married, and it's kind of like a little life sim with all the jeopardy of being in, uh, well, on a rim world on the frontier of space. Uh, as I said, it's Dwarf Fortress Light, and I, I'm feeling that for better and for worse. It was much easier to get into than I thought it would be. Um, Dwarf Fortress is famously impenetrable, and maybe that will change with the new Steam version, which I think is going to be published this year, and I'm really, really looking forward to. But um, up until that has been built on a system of ASCII characters and a control system, which I uh, describe in my talk online as literally arcane. It requires secret knowledge to be understood. It took me eight weeks, I think, three months to learn how to play Dwarf Fortress. It took me, you know, a couple of hours to learn how to play RimWorld. And that is great, right? That is great. And it offers a very, very similar experience. Looking after these... Uh, colonists, directing them around without direct control of them, although you can assume a kind of direct control. Um, point and click, telling them to do this, building outposts, planning them out, um, deciding what rooms are what, and getting these little systems, these kind of clockwork systems, uh, under your control and waiting for them to fail. And I guess it's the moment of failure that uh, is the disappointment for me with RimWorld because a consequence of it being easier to get into is that it is much more easier to understand and to see, at least as a game designer, the systems that are operating this. And that makes it more boring. Now, I'm enjoying playing it. As I said last week, I put 40 hours into it very, very quickly, partly because I was ill, but partly because I was enjoying it. But also, um, I'm finding it hard to go back to now. It's not dragging me back in because I think I can see what's happening. Slowly the challenges are getting more and more difficult. It's throwing more uh, attackers at me and they're happening every couple of days and so I have time to rebuild and then another wave arrives. And the things that are happening to me are not as crazy as Dwarf Fortress and that was kind of the attraction that with Dwarf Fortress you felt like you were built, you were playing inside a system that was producing um, uh, producing unknowns that even the coder didn't expect to happen. Here everything seems slightly more planned and slightly more in control. And I think as a gateway drug to something more complex like Dwarf Fortress, uh, it's great and it teaches you those systems and certainly like I'm enjoying it, but I'm not sure it's going to get complicated enough uh, to really, really um, satisfy me because I've 
you know, I've had, I've tasted the harder drug. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I will go back to it, but it's seven out of ten for me. Good stuff. Good. I think that's it, Steve. Yes, uh, I think so too, Simon. I, I, I've finished this episode in a much better mood than I arrived. Hooray! Uh, which often happens with One Life Left, as we will make clear in the One Life Left oral history, uh, <laughs> if we can remember any of it. Good. Well, I'm pleased about that. Hopefully it does the same for the listeners. Uh, we'll be back same time next week. Yeah. But, but until then... Until then... Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.